Worldwide parent coach and conscious educator, Sue DeCaro, is on a mission to revitalize the joy in parenting. Welcome to Conscious Parents, Thriving Kids, a podcast designed to help parents all over the world create deeper connections with themselves and their children while overcoming life's daily parenting challenges. Listen in if you want to bring more laughter, love, and enjoyment to your home life. Welcome to Conscious Parents, Thriving Kids, a place for all things parenting. I am your host, Sue DeCaro. Today, I am pleased to welcome and introduce my dear friend and amazing inspiration in the world, Stephanie Malia Krauss. Welcome, Stephanie. Hi, Sue. Good morning. I'm so glad to be here. Good morning. Thanks for joining. And let me introduce a little bit about you for our listeners. Stephanie is a mom, an educator, and a social worker. Her debut book, Making It, What Today's Kids Need for Tomorrow's World, published in March 2021. Stephanie is the owner and principal of First Quarter Strategies, a senior advisor to Jobs for the Future and staff consultant for the Youth Transition Funders Group. Stephanie, there's so many things that we can talk about. Our work overlaps so much. And I I think one of the things that we really are focused on in our work and our lives is the importance of the whole child as we raise and usher our children into adulthood. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I think it is so easy as moms to feel when things are going wrong with a part of our child. Um, But then when we're focusing on what's happening in their lives, we tend to really hone in on one aspect versus thinking about how to keep that same whole child healthy. So what I mean is if something is, um, you know, if our, I've got two boys, they're 10 and eight. And if one of them is feeling physically sick or emotionally having a bad day, I'm going to zoom in and zero in on that. And it's going to preoccupy my time. But when we're busy in life, I tend to focus on the appointment that they have or how they're doing in school. And there's this external shift. And one of the things that I so enjoy about our friendship and conversations is how do you actually deliberately sort of design your day and your time with your kid to think about each aspect of who they are and what they need before something is falling off or going wrong. I I love that. And I think that's so important because we as parents have been conditioned, a lot of us, I know I was, to focus in on the fixing, right? right. So, you know, the child has a problem or the child is a problem, you know, and again, I put these in air quotes. And so, you know, we, we zoom in or swoom in to fix the problem whether it be emotional, physical, you know, what have you. And then we zoom out. And so, you know, I think part of parenting today really needs to focus on not only the whole child, but the whole relationship with the child. So, you know, it's about encouraging healthy brains and healthy bodies and healthy relationships as a, let's call it the trifecta, because that is really where our children are going to soar is by us nourishing all three of those. The relationship we have with our children is just important as their healthy bodies and healthy brains, right? Yeah, that's right. You know, and it's so interesting for me as an adult through the pandemic time, I've been trying to learn my own body and and figure out my own physical health, mental health, 
pandemic life has been super stressful. And um, as as a grown up, I'm for the first time ever learning about the connection for myself between my my belly, my body, and my brain, and how those three interplay. And I find myself constantly reflecting on this research I did for the book. Um, when I was researching making it, it was it started pre-pandemic and then it went through. And so that really influenced how I was thinking about what I was reading. And one of the most dramatic pieces of research for me as a mom was learning that if our kids have the right supports and opportunities that as a rule and not an exception, they will likely live to be a hundred. And so I started to think about, well, what then are the implications of really caring for my boys with the idea of a long and livable life ahead, but a very long life ahead, you know, the prospect of an 80 year working life, the prospect of multi-generations of, you know, many decades of romantic partnership, all of these types of things. And um, once I got over the kind of overwhelm of, of what that really meant, what it started to do was adjust my thinking so that it, so I'm, as you mentioned, I'm an educator and social worker and have long believed in this whole child approach, but I've really extended it out now to think about as a parent, Am I always maintaining a whole child, whole life approach in any given moment when I'm choosing an activity, deciding whether an intervention is worth the investment of finite resources, thinking about if we need to stop doing something or start doing something as a family or with one of my boys who are very different children, as I know yours were too, um, I, I wonder about how will this support them in the possibility of a long life? And so that really is where I have in my own at-home practice as a mom asked myself, how does this support my whole kid? And how is this going to help them across the possibility of a long life? And it's now a, a little bit of a mantra for me. And, and that has been the impetus for some specific decisions that we've made as a family that I, I'm not sure I actually would have made before. Wow. I, I mean, that is just incredible because we don't necessarily think in our lives about the future when making a decision. I mean, we may think about the, the very near future, but we don't think about the long life future. And I know, you know, certainly I have not uh, been raised or conditioned or, you know, really spent a lot of time in that you know, that arena I do now, but when we're making decisions for our children every single day, it's not about just the moment. Let me fix it in this moment. Let me put a bandaid in this moment. You know, yeah. it's like uh, if you have an ache and pain and, and you get a cortisone shot, right? That's a bandaid in my opinion. <laughs> uh, and I've done it. So, you know, I'm not opposed to the bandaid, but it is a bandaid and it fixes it for short term and yet doesn't, nurture, condition, you know, change the pain, right, for the long haul. And so when we're talking about our children, way more important than an elbow, um, I think that looking at how we can bring those conditions that really support the whole child, and, and let's talk about that. What does that look like for our brain? What does that look like for our bodies? Because 
we are supposed to move our bodies. And I hate to use the word supposed to, but a body should be moved because the sedentary body is not going to be a long lasting, healthy body, right? A lot happens when we just sit, 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 never move our bodies. So healthy brain actually involves a, a moving body, right? Yeah. Do you agree? I do. And right before we started recording, you shared with me that you have a tennis match later today. And um, Sue and I, funny story, we met work-wise, but we both grew up in the same small town in New Jersey, which is wild because it's a very, very small town. And my parents did not have a lot of money when I was growing up, Um, but they were really wise. The two sports that they put us in, even though we were pretty poor, was um, swimming and tennis. And the reason why was that they knew, they believed that those were going to be lifetime sports, that we would enjoy them now, and that later on, we would be able to continue enjoying them down the road. And so even though we had few resources, and even though they did not know everything about great parenting, to be sure, they had this intuition about what were the lifetime um, activities that they could give us that would become our own and that would be able to travel with us and across contexts and across stages of life. And so I think when we think about this, there are a couple of different things to keep in mind. The first is, you know, as the caveat, we don't have to be experts in how people age. Um, We don't have to be experts in human development. There are actually some nice hacks and tuning into our intuition on this is really going to be what's most important. So the way that I like to think about it as now sort of shifting in and holding both my experience as a mom, but also as a professional, I've spent a lot of time thinking about and learning about the science of learning and human development and how kids' brains develop, what happens when the brain is stressed or anxious. And then as you mentioned, this kind of interplay. So the easiest way that I think about it is actually um, taking a different model that we're more familiar with, which is our bodies have these physical body systems that are super interdependent. If our heart rate increases, so does our breathing. If something is wrong with, um, you know, another part of the body system, if something's wrong with the elbow and it's infected, it's going to impact other body systems. So we have this less visible other set of systems. So the body systems are our ways of functioning and operating physically in the world. But living in our brains, we have this other set of systems and there are ways of being and doing in the world. And they are as interdependent. And so what the research has shown is that these aspects of being and doing in the world are things like being able to focus and stay organized, being able to create, staying healthy, being reflective, and um, they can be taught and strengthened. And sometimes, just like body systems, one of my children has asthma, so his lungs need a little extra TLC. Well, if a child has ADHD, 
being able to focus or stay organized is going to take other interventions and supports. And so it is really important for us to learn and making it covers what these are. What are the ways of being and doing in the world? These systems of how we are social and emotional um, and how we're operating cognitively. And then just like our lungs are in our hearts and doing exercise or going to the doctor, what are the things that we have to do for our kids to keep those parts of themselves healthy? And so one aspect is actually learning what to expect. So when I take my boys to the pediatrician's office, they chart their progress, right? They take their height, they take their weight, and we can see how the boys have tracked, oh, what percentile are they in and what should I expect? And if it's an annual checkup and all of the parents listening will, will know this because it happens in every doctor's office, they give you the checklist before they come in and you answer questions about where your child should be given their age and their stage. And we need to be doing the same thing for cognitive health and for mental health. Um, so, you know, one, one piece, for instance, and then we can go in, in whatever direction we want with this is I've been spending a lot of my time thinking about cognitive health, brain health, and, um, the front of the brain, which is responsible for, it's the chief executive of the brain. It's responsible for the focusing and the organizing, but also regulating emotion. I didn't realize it doesn't actually develop until a kid is in their mid twenties, Right. And so one thing is like, we've got to educate ourselves on when to even expect when kids will be able to do certain things. And just like training a child to ride a bike, what the progress needs to be, what are the training wheel solutions? So if you can't focus and get organized at age 10, because you're 10 and then, oh my gosh, even more so if you're on the spectrum or you have an attention issue, what are the supports that have to be in place and how can we think of that as important as we would if you had asthma or if you, right, or something yeah. physical was happening? Yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the things that you touched on, for example, when you go to the doctor's office and you're doing the checklist and you're thinking about the age and stage of development, right, where yeah. your child is 10, so your child, air quotes, should look like X. I want to just uh, bring to life that every child is unique and every child is going to grow and thrive in their own way at their own pace. These are mile markers to utilize, to help and guide us, but not to be the official, my child isn't on the mark. My child isn't meeting the standard. My child isn't whatever because your child is unique and your child is gonna grow and thrive in their own special way, which is the beauty in celebrating each unique child out there. But what we can use these markers for is as you beautifully said, to really train and strengthen areas in our children, like the frontal lobes, you know, the, the focus and the organization. And you, know, you beautifully shared how that is not developed until 25, maybe even 30 these days they're talking about. And yet we expect our children to be logical, mm -hmm. right? And to think logically and, and not be impulsive, but thoughtful and, you know, cause and effect. And yet their frontal brains are not actually developed enough, 
even you know with whatever we might be feeding them um, and nurturing. So I think that it's super important to see where our children are, how we can nourish the different areas and nurture and strengthen the different areas to help them thrive in a way that serves them individually and you know collectively if we have more than one child, but also be aware that we don't fall into the trap, and I call it a trap because we're trapped when we're in there of should be this, should be that. And then thinking we either failed or the system failed or our child failed because that is hugely detrimental to, to these unique beings out there, our children. They need us yeah. to believe in them. Yeah, that's right. I mean, you know, as we wrap up here, maybe I'll, I'll flag a next conversation, which is our systems are designed where age is proxy for stage because it's easy. It's easy to organize the 10-year-olds in a classroom or in a camp or in a program, and you can take that to scale. But what you're saying is so true. Actually, the way that we're designed, we have to focus on on the stages and the situation and, and who each kid is. If there's one parting thing here for parents who are listening, it's to really think about using that physical health as a model. What are the things that you build around your kid? Everything from, okay, are they taking vitamins? Are they getting the right nutrition? Are they getting exercise? Have I set up my checkup? Do we have a place to go when something goes wrong? Do they need specialists? And to apply all of that over to the brain side. How am I keeping my kid healthy? What are their tech limits right now? When do they seem frustrated? Are they anxious? Do I need a specialist, a therapist? Do they need medication right now in the same way that they might need medication physically? Um, what are the things like play, relationships, social interactions that are going to feed them and keep them healthy and strong? And then putting those together, and that's the package, right, of how you have a healthy kid, particularly in such challenging times. You, you so beautifully said that. And one thing I want to said, you know, what you just shared, and I think it's just so important to keep that all in mind, all of it, you know, and if you don't believe in medication, maybe there's some other, you know, way you can support your child. But one thing is you were sharing that, that really hit home is check in with yourself first as a right. parent. You know, it's great to look at all these things for our child, but if we're not modeling the same behaviors in ourselves, um, if we have a snack tour that's full of candy and sugar and, and things we don't want our kids to eat, but we're sneaking it. First of all, they know you're sneaking it. Kids are not blind. Even when they're not in the room, they know. <laughs> and secondly, we're not modeling what we're encouraging in our children. So it's kind of hypocritical. So I think these you know, things you talked about in terms of the relationships, we really need to bring home to ourselves first in making sure that we are modeling it, that we're not anxious, that we're taking good care of ourselves, that we've got all the support systems we need in place so that we can bring the support systems to them as well. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's right. I'll share with you quickly um, as we're wrapping up here that yesterday, last night, one of my, um, one of my children struggles with mental health and he had a really rough night and his dad was struggling with something unrelated. 
And because, you know, we're grownups and we also have our own stresses, particularly on Sunday nights when we're looking at the week ahead and the work and the overwhelm. And, um, and my poor boy just spiraled thinking that he was the cause of what was happening with dad and, um, and how much stress he must be causing the family because of these challenges that he was having. And I had to make a choice just to love and support last night. But this morning he woke up and he came into bed with me and we were laying there, you know, just a couple hours ago, we're filming this here in the morning. And I talked about um, what happened and we really were able to dig into which part just felt emotional last night and which part was he's still hanging on. Does he feel responsible for how the grownups are feeling in the house because he's struggling? Um, and, you know, it was a really important conversation to have the next day, to have a sleep in between mm-hmm. where he was able to be rested. And what we talked about this morning, my actually he is the 10 year old I keep referring to, um, was we talked about, uh, we came up with some S's and it was stress, sleepiness, and sadness. And that he had a combination of all three that really affected him, but also affected his dad. And it normalized it. It was that it was okay to have a really hard night. It wasn't going to last forever. And now we have these trips we need to look for, are we sad? Are we stressed? Are we sleepy? Are there things that we can hang on to? Any parent can do that. You don't have to be an educator and social worker. All it takes is the relationship, the willingness to not panic and to follow up with your kid and have that conversation. And then focusing on what are the tips and tricks that we can give them for that whole life and for that hopefully long and livable one. Mm, Beautiful. Wow. What a lovely story. And I love how you circled back to it after you all had a chance to, to digest or rest or, and, you know, so often we want to circle, you know, in zoom in and have the conversation when people are knee deep in the thick of it all. And, you know, whether it's an adult or a child and, that typically gets us nowhere. So thank you so much for sharing, Stephanie. As always, it's just wonderful to chat with you and bring things to life with you and uh, share with our listeners all that you have. Where can people learn more about you? Because I'm sure you've sparked a lot of interest. Yeah, thanks, Sue. It's been a pleasure. So I would love if folks picked up a copy of the book and then entered into conversation with me. So the book is called Making It What Today's Kids Need for Tomorrow's World. And you can get it anywhere books are sold. So whatever your uh, preference is. And then I'm on Twitter most regularly. And that's at Stephanie underscore Malia, M-A-L-I-A. Um, And if you want to follow my family's journeys, that is on Instagram at wonder underscore and underscore wayfinding. My website's www.stephaniemaliacrouse.com. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here on this episode. It has been an honor and a pleasure speaking with you. Thanks, Sue. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us. Remember, every moment is a new moment for conscious connections. Thanks for listening to Conscious Parents, Thriving Kids. If you like what you heard, the best compliment you can give us is to share this podcast with a friend. And be sure to give us some stars and a favorable review at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen in.